the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That article, by the way, if we would have told these people from the start that what we're dealing with is messenger RNA technology, they would have never taken it. Tell them it's a vaccine and they take it. And he was right about that. So we're not having the Mm. conversation right now as to the uh, profundity of the invasion into people's bodies of this technology, but it will occur. Um, sadly, it might occur too late. That's my concern, Jimmy, because people have already presupposed that their government was telling them the truth. When we have a whole history of our government lying about experiments that they have done on the human race, uh, Americans, African-Americans, on women, on children, and they have been criminal at best, lethally criminal in so many ways. I, you know, I know that the reason why people are still buying in it into it today is because they're not they're not critical thinkers. Also, they're afraid. Also, they have been conditioned by our government not to question, particularly when we move into crisis mode. But sadly, this is going to emerge in the next six months to a year, I promise you, as a conversation as to. The application of vaccines in conjunction with uh, with movement, transportation, uh, your your credit scores, your banking, because this is already done in China and other places. I'm sure you know this or maybe you don't. But I Mm. do. I know that it's already applied on that level of um, of uh, application in other countries that we are not talking about here again is another scandalous, scurrilous. Uh, blight on our media, not letting you know that this is a uh, this is a journey into total totalitarianism at the artificial intelligence level. We are uh, we are on a bridge now headed that way. Uh, and 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 we and people people really need to know we have been experimented on for that ex- for that precise purpose. So getting again back to Revelation 13, we want to be extremely careful to be able to extract from that text this reality that beast one, the first beast is in Revelation 13 verses one through four, is political. Beast two is in Revelation 13 verse is 11 and following is religious. The combination between the religious beast and the political beast is the powers of politics in conjunction with religion forcing um, a, 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 a massive agenda upon humanity, demanding that they submit to it. And if they don't, they will not be able to buy or sell or even live. That's exactly what we're experiencing today with government telling right, men and right. women, if you don't take the vaccine, you can't buy or sell. You can't go here or there. You can't eat this or that. And it's going to become even more invasive, bypassing you, Jimmy, and going into your bank account and structuring your capacity to actually draw your funds out. Um, you won't be able to do that if we continue to let them uh, take control of our lives. I'll give you the last word before we go to break. Okay, and then um, no, thank you so much, uh, Pastor. That's that's helpful. I'm um, here in California with the governor, governor's push to mandate vaccination for all school kids. How do what can parents do, especially if we can't afford to take our kids out of school? You have to afford to take them out. 
I, I, I want to be extremely clear about this. And I so appreciate you. So appreciate you. Um, the reason why you have to take them out is because this overtake of our country by uh, a, a Marxist system is drawing the line in the sand between uh, people of faith and, and people who are going to submit to government rule through and through. Mm-hmm. I, I don't expect people to the people who have been compliant up to now. I don't expect most of them to all of a sudden stop complicity because we have allowed the government to take over so many areas of our lives that we 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 don't even really know what freedom is can you imagine your kids going to school listening to this this worse than animal dong of critical race theory and uh, social justice, mm. uh, uh, diversity, uh, inclusion, and equity, a die system, uh, and somehow think our kids can come out healthy with that. But they've done it. They've been able to win uh, rights to abort children. They've been able to win rights to have same-sex marriage. They've been able to do a lot of things that uh, Americans thought would not occur, but they are a long-march socialist agenda that does not mind taking decades upon decades of wearing men and women out and making them complicit. See, for them, it's simply about getting control. And once they get control, they implement their policies and they don't give a hoot about you. And the real simple thing to do for real, for uh, serious Christians is to opt out of anything that tells them to do anything that's contrary to God's word. So I don't say that you can't do it. I say that you must find a way to be independent. You must find a way to raise your kids in the fear and the nurture of the Lord. You must find a way not to give them over to the state because as uh, one couple had stated, and I've got to get ready to take a break, it was Brett and Heather Weinstein, and I'm going to be running them on my All Things COVID on Wednesday night. You can watch it if you don't want to show up, grace-bible.com. They're saying that um, there was a celebration of uh, of giving the vaccines to our kids on the same day that Holocaust survivors have been celebrated. This is coincidental, but it's not. It's an indication that that which has been is and that which is to be, it has already been. The death march and tyrannical controls of despotic countries uh, now are operating at levels of uh, medical technology where they basically can... Uh, can uh, invade your children, particularly the ones that are given to the jabs because parents are stupid enough to do it. Uh, And they're going to have horrific, Mm. horrific consequences to our kids, horrific consequences to our kids. This is what all the good doctors were saying. By the way, let me close by asking you, have you watched the uh, Senator Ron Johnson symposium? Uh, Yes, yes. Okay, so you watched it. Good. That means you're informed, my dear brother. Keep your ear to the pulse. Call me back. This is a Monday edition of Lifeline. We will be right back. On Smart Speakers and the Odyssey. A service of Salem Media Group. And now back to Lifeline. I was listening to Jordan B. Peterson, uh, educated students on the Gulag Archipelago, um, Solzhenitsyn's uh, writings on this. He was a philosopher, somewhat of a poet. I was listening to him. I'm going to be sending this out to my All Things COVID group. If you want to be part of it, you can email me at gbchayward at gmail.com, uh, gbchayward at gmail.com, and you can get on a list. 
Uh, and the reason why I'm mailing it out because I, I'm sending it out so people can read it is because not read it, but listen to JBP, Jordan B. Peterson actually articulate specifically how a country gets overtaken by its own leadership, by its own government, and uh, and then isolated, and then and then separated, and then uh, people who don't comply um, end up becoming workers in the gulags and. And it ends up being lots of workers in the gulags. In fact, it ends up being millions of people in the gulags. In fact, it ends up being people in the gulags who are first workers for the government. In other words, once the laws become so stringent and so tyrannical, if you who happen to have complied because you feared standing for the truth, uh, somehow get out of lockstep, wake up a little bit, start whispering. Uh, you, you, what you don't know, and Jesus said it in Matthew 24, these will be times when your when your uh, parents will betray the children, and the children will betray the parents, and the fathers will betray the sons, and the sons will betray the uh, fathers, and and et cetera, et cetera, because everybody is going to be walking in what Jesus said in Matthew 24:13, the the love of many will wax cold. See, uh, agape love has the capacity to lay down its life for others. No other love can do that. And so when the love of many waxes cold out of fear and out of self-preservation, you will you will turn your own loved ones in. This is the way Deuteronomy 28 through 32 laid it out. Leviticus 26, God had warned Israel, if they go into the land and they depart from him, he would give them over to the kind of tribulation where they would eat their own children. Well, I am afraid that when folks are being warned again and again and again about the vaccines, these gene therapies, and you plug your own children, you're right there. You're right there because you don't really care about what the evidence says about the harm of your children. You're right there. You're right there. This is how far we've gone. And, And then again, can you imagine in, let's say, 10, 15 years here in California, because our governor definitely does not care about uh, your freedoms, you know that. Um, and it, whatever might come down next, according to Archbishop Vigano, it will be the propaganda of uh, of climate control, and they will just tyrannically tax you to death. Uh, and, and, and in combination with the influx of, uh, of of illegal immigrants and aliens coming in to the tunes of tens of thousands a day across our nation, what you will have. Is a group of people who don't have allegiance to uh, to the Constitution. And again, the uh, the 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 left, the woke group, the critical race theorists, the social justice warriors are doing a great job deconstructing that allegiance, too. So at a certain point, there will be people walking around who have no allegiance to the historical sufferings and uh, work of those who have fought for our freedoms. And so you, you don't have any real concern about America. Uh, per se, for its ideals of freedom, of religion, freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, freedom to bear arms, et cetera, et cetera. You won't. And once the government puts enough pressure on you, you'll sell your own loved ones out. That's what Jesus said, Matthew 24. See, the word of God is always relevant because truth is always relevant, never antiquated, never out of date. We are cycling through, once again, a time where humanity and the larger populace has lost its moral and ethical compass. And now it's just in a kind of relative survival mode. And yes, we're seeing a lot of states back away from this foolishness called COVID. Um, But that won't happen in every state. 
Uh, California's not going to do it. New York's not going to do it. You're going to have to fight like I don't know what to stop them. And if you're not willing to fight, then you're going to be a slave of the state. But what Jordan B. Peterson was indicating by this fascinating tale of what Solzhenitsyn uh, uh, himself went through, because he was in, in the camps, um, albeit because he was a scientist, he was a smart man, they put him in the better parts of the camp, like you do here in the States with uh, people that are uh, you know, committing federal crime. They have a better life than folks on the ground in any event. What he described in many of the letters and many of the writings is how the people that were in these camps were people who at first worked for their government, spying on their neighbors, telling on them. And from what I understand right now, there are tons of people being enlisted by our government to be what are called basically watchers of people who don't comply with with uh, with COVID. Well, we already know people are doing that just on their own. They don't mind turning you in if you are not wearing a mask in a particular facility. Do you see what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen? Do you see that we are under siege just like Israel was under siege? The way our country was taken over in the days of uh, the early Bible was that you seized that particular country, surrounded it, starved it to death. So we are incrementally experiencing right now inflation, uh, a gradual shortage of food. All of this is going to be done slowly. That's the proverbial frog in the pot thing. You can laugh all you want to those of you who are naysayers, but if you do the evaluation, you'll see that it's happening right before our eyes. Things are getting worse, not better in that regard. It just is. So some of you who are smug in your jobs, uh, who are not um, threatened at, at some of the more uh, urgent levels like people on the ground, you can walk in denial all you want. But in a few years, the denial will be over with because there will be a, a, a real divide, a division between the people who are done with all of this foolishness and the people that are willing to comply. And it will be a biblical proportion. And you're going to see more harm done psychologically, sociologically, economically, fiscally. You're going to see more harm done in terms of protocols and policies from government. There's something else coming not too long from now that will once again destabilize and continue to put people in uh, paradoxical landscapes. That is people being in opposite positions of each other out of fear and out of uh, a lack of willingness to stand up for the truth. That's going to happen. And one of the lessons that Sotonichian was trying to get across about the Gulag Archipelagos, the islands of slavery that was taking place in Russia, is that it never had to happen if people would have stood up before it occurred. It never had to happen. But people were quietly put to sleep and made to trust the government while people in the middle of the night disappeared. Now, we're experiencing that kind of protocol in the censoring of people from the media. And no one cares. No one cares. You're okay as long as you got your cell phone, as long as you got your little media outlet, as long as you got your little group of people that believe like you, you're fine. You don't have to at all face the reality that a siege, a siege is taking place. But it. It is. And and people that are waking up are willing to fight and say something about it. I love Paul Revere's like that. I appreciate Snowden. I appreciate Assange. I appreciate um, uh, the people that have done it. Really, really do. I appreciate the fact that they are willing to um, 
to do that. So let me see here. I am dealing with 623. I guess I better take a, a, a break and then I'll be right back. Oh, I got that. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I'm going to keep talking. To, I, I finally figured out what that is. OK, when he comes back, we will actually uh, talk a little bit to our neighbors. I know what he's doing. Be right back. That's what that means. Finally picked it up. All right. So what I was saying to you guys is this. Um, stop wasting your time with um, with distractions and just stick your face in the portal and look the beast in the eyes. Do the research. Do the data. Truth never comes to you by simply avoiding it. It just doesn't come that way. It only comes by facing it, looking at all the data and then getting with honest people that won't just take your position. Listen to all sides. That's the best way. We are in trouble in our nation. All the indicators are laying that out. Unfortunately, all the indicators are laying it out. Uh, And I find people who don't have a a responsible attitude for others uh, more, more complicit. It's also strange that 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 you who are parents don't have this kind of concern for your kids or your grandkids. Um, but that might be, again, because you are trapped by a kind of uh, psychosis that does not allow you to fight, uh, does not allow you to actually see the uh, Truman show working marvelously around you. All of the Propaganda, all of the same statements. Got it. We're cool. All right, man. I've got about five minutes. So let's go to line number two and talk with Monty in Peterson. If we still have Monty on line number two. Monty, are you there? Yes, I'm here. How's it going, Pastor Jesse? I'm great. What's your thoughts? I had a biblical question. So the question was, will there be a second chance for salvation after the rapture? I got a little confused. Um, reading Revelations 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 4. Well, Revelation 20, verse 4, what what, do you, what does Revelation 20, verse 4 have to do with the rapture? Uh, it just, my understanding was, um, it seemed to be that seven-period tribulation, if I'm not wrong. If I'm not wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. I just wanted to know what you think. uh, I'm going to lay out a few things right there. I appreciate the call. I'm going to lay out a few things. There there will be no premillennial dispensationalist who will be able to demonstrate from the book of the apocalypse. There are none. And and they're my brethren, particularly if they get get the gospel right. If they get the gospel right. If they got a salvation by works, then we're in trouble. But if they've if they've got grace right, they're my brethren. I don't I don't I don't particularly care uh, about your eschatological views, other than the fact that if your eschatological views are contrary to the text that you're asserting, then we got a problem. For instance, you will not find a seven year tribulation period in the book of Revelation anywhere. So I want all the pastors. I want all the pastors out there to um, hear what I'm saying. I want you members to go to your pastor. Pastor, can you show me in the book of Revelation seven years? Because you hear it everywhere. John MacArthur, yeah. um, all of them, all of them are saying this. And and I, I think that we're going to have a, uh, a, an extremely problematic time once uh, things get heated up in our culture and when the church attempts to try to be prophetic in terms of eschatological timelines and eschatological 
um, uh, expressions of, of human experience. I think the church is going to be it's going to be in real trouble because it has proffered a an interpretation of eschatology that is alien to the scriptures. It's late in history, and it does a lot of damage to the continuity of, uh, of, of hermeneutic across the New Testament. In other words, it really is what, what many of us know is a basic Jewish-centered eschatological framework. It's not church-centered. It's not Christ-centered. It's Jewish-centered. And it's the assertion yeah. that God has a two-people system, one, the church, and then the other, the Jews. Um, that that needs to be just like this COVID scam is uh, is being unpacked by a few of us. And it would have been better if if all of the good doctors have been able to debate this publicly. Then we get a chance to see. But um, premillennial dispensationalism uh, uh, enjoys almost a monopoly in most of your evangelical churches today. Without without question, you're not going to get seven years in the book of Revelation. The seven years for them is plucked up out of a very questionable hermeneutic in Daniel chapter nine, verses 20 through 24 through 27, of which many of us who have a much more longstanding, historically uh, grounded interpretation, whether that be the uh, uh, postmillennial view or the amillennial view, um, we would never take Daniel chapter nine, 24 through 27 and, and segregate it, create a gap theory, assert that the last and final week is a seven-year tribulation period of which no one knows when God is done with the church age, he then will implement that last seven-year period as a tribulation period for the Jewish uh, people. And in the middle of the week, Antichrist rises up and, and goes into havoc so that you have either what is called a pre-rapture, mid-rapture, or post-rapture um, assumption uh, in terms of the tribulation. And so people are freaking out that we might be headed towards tribulation. The church has always gone through tribulation, my dear brother. It has always gone through tribulation. Tribulation is not something for which a true believer is not already uh, insulated. We are insulated for tribulation. We're made for tribulation. It's just whether or not we want to get our categories right, such as the rapture. Uh, what does that mean? How does it employ itself legitimately? Uh, I would again say, and I definitely appreciate your concern, is that, again, my, my brothers who deal with the apocalypse, the book of the Revelation, John, uh, uh, David, Jeremiah, etc., they don't actually really exegete the book. They skim over the book and just, you know, hodgepodge different texts of scripture and uh, basically tell you, once you get to chapter four, uh, the church age is over with. We're dealing with the tribulation period. We're dealing with the Jewish uh, period. And that ends at uh, Revelation chapter 20, uh, if if you will. And then and then we go into the final judgment and, and into uh, what is called the uh, eternal state in Revelation 22. That's easy to say. Yeah. But just like but just like what you're doing right now, you're struggling with you're confused with how to handle Revelation chapter 20 because you're trying to squeeze in a presupposition into a place in which that presupposition has no legitimate grounds for being there. I get it. I totally do. Um, if you email me, I'll help you out. GBC Hayward at Gmail dot com. GBC Hayward at Gmail dot com, because I've taught on this throughout this year. I did. I taught on it during this whole COVID time, the four views. And I, I talk about the weaknesses and strengths of the premillennial dispensationist view. The only strength that I see about the premillennial dispensational view is that it hasn't happened yet. 
And that's, you know, that's, that works with anything. You can talk about something happening from five years from now and no one can disprove it. But other than that, it has problems because it makes a certain assumptions that it cannot validate in the New Testament, in the apostles' writings at all, or in the teachings of Jesus. So we've, we've got some problems to work through when it comes to premillennial dispensationalism. Uh, the last thing I want to say, I got to go to a break, is... Um, it's not it's not uh, it's not a grounds for the division of brethren, but it is a necessary battle, because when you talk about casting a vision for the people of God, if you can't groundly square that on the the totality of Scripture in a continuity of prophetic truth from the Old Testament to the New Testament into the book of Revelation, you are doing what some of the ancient theologians said. Dr. Kirshner says dispensationalism is nothing but hermeneutical fragmentationalism. And once you fragment the Scripture into dispensations, nobody else can actually interpret the Scriptures with any sanity except they buy into your hermeneutical paradigm. And that is a dangerous way to approach the scriptures, but that will be talked about in the future. Listen, thank you for the call. Again, gbchayward at gmail.com. I will help you out. We will be right back. 60. And now back to Lifeline. There is one true and living God. He's revealed in terms of scripture language as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God revealed in three persons, we call this the triune God. Um, it might be a challenge for the intellect around uh, categories, but it's one, what three who's. He is God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Paul said in Ephesians chapter four, there's one God, one Father, one Lord Jesus, one Spirit, one faith, one baptism, one body. Paul never imagined splitting the Gentiles from the Jews. He never imagined that. No matter how you want to handle Romans chapter 11, he never imagined saying there's one plan for the church and one plan for the Jews. He never would have imagined that. Neither would John have imagined that. When Jesus said in John chapter 10, oh, uh, somewhere around verse uh, 16 and following, um, other sheep have I that are not of this fold. Them also must I bring in and there will be one shepherd and one fold. One shepherd, one fold. Jesus is the one mediator between God and man and of all the nations of the earth. Men and women from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue enter into the one body, which was purchased by the one blood of the one Lord, which is evidenced by one baptism and is uh, is up under and subsumed by the authority of one true and living God. We are men and women who have been born again, who have been brought into the body of Christ, and that body of Christ is one. And Paul made it explicitly clear. No more Jew or Gentile, but one in Christ. The middle wall of partition being broken down. Anytime you move into two brides or two peoples or two communities, you have adulterated the gospel of which Paul and and the rest were told to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered unto the saints. This is what makes the premillennial dispensational um, argument extremely problematic. Now, again, you can buy into the presuppositional arguments that they lay out about uh, a a two-kingdom paradigm, but when you go back to the authors of it, 
the foundation of the men and the women that engaged in that kind of Adventist ideology about 150 years ago. C.S. Schofield is one of them. And, and then uh, several other of the men who started in Europe, you begin to see how how reckless they were in their handling of eschatology. And they were opportunists because the world, again, was on the brink of uh, of, of world war and calamity and, and, and all kinds of judgments. And, and people were flocking. And then all of a sudden, this doctrine was bought up by many of your seminaries. Now, think about this before I close. So Dallas Theological Seminary was one of the major conveyors, purveyors, if you will, of this system. They bought into it enormously, and, and people really tout um, some of the early professors around this system. I, I can name them I want. You know who they are. Um, but just as the church has bought into other lies, such as they're buying, buying into the line now around critical race theory and social justice. This is happening in the SBC. This is happening in one of your biggest denominations across the board. There's a major division going on right now. And some of us know this because we have our hands on the pulse. The church is not infallible. This is why we broke away from Rome because of its absolute abominable position asserting that it had the means by which men and women could be saved. And if they didn't follow the seven sacraments, they couldn't be saved. And here you have the Pope now presently in utter lockstep with this critical race theory and this social justice and this COVID scheme. And you guys already know about him. There is complete flux and infighting and 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 debate and and conflict and and again uh cross purposes in the Catholic Church around this same thing why because this is a global battle that is spiritual in its nature and is both cosmological and microbial at the same time it is down at the microspheric level this is a battle of bodies this is a battle of minds satan wants your body he wants your mind that's his goal to sit on the throne of your heart and rule as God. It's a major battle. So we are in some extremely, extremely problematic times. There's no doubt about it. And we don't need to be playing with this. The last thing the church needs to do is set men and women up for the Antichrist system. The last thing they need to do is be setting men and women up for the Antichrist system. We should be setting men and women up for a 101, 101 mono a mono revelation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ through a full orb revelation of biblical truth, constantly exalting his person, constantly exalting his word, making sure that men, men and women understand the totality of the sufficiency of Christ in all things. He is the center of revelation. Not a nation, not Israel. This is not, eschatology is not an ethnocentric system of theology. Sorry, it's just not. And we can argue, we can debate. That's why we need to first fight for our freedoms, my dear brethren. Let's fight for our freedom, get them back. Uh, Let's get our freedoms back. And then we can take the time and work through all of the different eschatological models and let people choose for themselves. But don't do what the folks with COVID are doing censor, you know, avoid, ridicule, scorn, poison the water, call those of us who are holding different positions, you know, fringe theologians, etc. Don't do that because we know the works of the devil. He's a liar from the beginning. Don't do that. So when the time comes, and that's not the battle right now, the battle right now is definitely not one where we need to be um, fighting about eschatology. And I would say to Christians out there, stop focusing in on that as an identity marker of your security 
for salvation because if you even got your eschatology right, but you get Christ wrong, you still go to hell. You still go to hell if you don't understand that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone, apart from works, that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast so that you don't add your works plus Christ's work, calling that salvation because your work plus Christ's work. How do we put it, saints at GBC? Won't work. Your work plus Christ's work won't ever work. And I can tell you, if you go to contemplating putting an end to the gospel age and reasserting a Jewish-centered eschatology, you're going to be reasserting a Jewish-based salvation predicated upon temple worship, upon sacrifices, upon blood sacrifices, the reestablishment of the Aaronic and Levitical priesthood. And if you do, you're going to have to follow it all the way through. You're going to have to bring in the division between Jew and Gentile. That's what they're advocating with this premillennial dispensational view. And in fact, my dear brother, Jimmy, if you're listening and all of you out there, there's tons of debate among the premillennial dispensationalists because of the very arguments that I'm making right now. There's tons of debates about you've got progressive dispensationalists who have abandoned all of that um, ancient set of assumptions that have been brought in, like I said, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, because they saw the implication. Bad premise leads to bad outcome eventually if you stay consistently locked into a bad premise. And uh, and that's a dangerous problem because you are asserting that during this so-called tribulation period, we're back to works religion. Uh, Moses is not coming back to be some kind of covenant framework for uh, for the elite people of God among the Jews. Jesus is not going to be in contention with the temple. Jesus is not going to be standing there enjoying sacrificial offerings, notwithstanding you're asserting them as being merely memorial offerings, because that is absolutely insane. The whole purpose for the book of Hebrews is to utterly destroy and demolish any notion that there would be a corresponding overlap between the old covenant and the new. The one fundamental uh, uh, axiom running through Hebrews is the superiority of Christ over Moses, over Joshua, over the Aaronic priesthood. He is the Melchizedekian priesthood over the old covenant, a better covenant, a better system, a better Jerusalem, a better people of God, a better Zion predicated upon better promises. As the text says, he died once to forever perfect and sanctify those that are under the auspices of his once for all death on the cross. So to even contemplate bringing in the old system is what Paul said in Galatians chapter three. If I build up what I have torn down, have I not become a transgressor? And these would be just like just the tip of the iceberg of the arguments that many of my healthy and robust uh, uh, professors and theologians who understand eschatology historically would bring to the table to help our dispensationalist brethren understand the trajectory of that hypothesis will logically lead you to works religion if you don't stop it before it goes there. So that's that's really what you guys need to be careful about, promoting that system, not knowing what it denies, not knowing what it mitigates, not knowing what it approves of and what it opens the door for 
is a very serious, serious problem. This again, as I, as I stated, I will. This again, as I stated, simply means, listen carefully, it, it simply means that you got to do a better job of interpreting the scriptures and not just glossing over them. This is the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. Before Bamboo HR, <laughs> I feel like crying just thinking about it. We were still handling everything via paper, and we literally had paper stacked. It was all in spreadsheets and like folders. From the moment I started using it, I felt calmer. As soon as we started using the Bamboo like onboarding checklist, I mean, <laughs> it was extremely easy. Headcount, turnover, uh, years of service. Like, there's just so many different reports that I use at different points in time. I'm like totally set free to focus on the people to focus on development, to focus on team dynamics. It's freeing me up to do more of the stuff that actually matters in HR, which is interacting with people, learning from them, and then building stuff for them. Everything is in this one place. I can't even imagine what it would be like without Bamboo HR. We're Bamboo HR, and we'd love to set you free to do great work. Come try our award-winning all-in-one HR software for free with no strings attached. Visit BambooHR.com slash HR for this free trial offer. That's BambooHR.com slash HR. Well, they took inventor Mike Lindell over two years to develop. They're designed to wear indoors and outdoors. They're made with quality leather. They're the MyPillow slippers. You know, with so many people staying and working from home now, these slippers are the perfect footwear for every day, all day. The wonderful MyPillow slippers have the MyPillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue. Boy, that's something we can all appreciate. Something else we can appreciate, a 50% discount. Yes, for a limited time, Mike Lindell is offering half off the normal price. Visit MyPillow.com, click the radio listener square, use the promo code KFAX, and while you're there, you'll see deep discounts on many MyPillow products. It's MyPillow.com, promo code KFAX, or call 800-479-1790. 800-479-1790. Use that promo code KFAX. You know what you could do? You could add on to your house an extra room and fill it with white fluffy sand that feels like the beach. Pump in seagull sounds. Paint waves on the walls. And cute little sand crabs. Hey, it's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage. And maybe never in the history of time have we had a moment where home values have skyrocketed this much while interest rates have dropped this much. And what that has brought into play for now, for so many KFAX listeners, is the cash out refinance loan. Some listeners are using that newfound equity or money to pay off debt or to do some very cool home upgrades at a time where our homes might continue to be more and more important. But hey, a beach room could be very cool. If you're curious about your options, we are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money you'd have to pay before closing. Nice. United Mortgage Court, Melbourne, New York. Animal number 1330. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. Are you wondering if this year you'll still be asking why it seems so easy for other people to find love but so hard for me? If you're feeling the pain of being alone and are tired of everyone around you finding their soulmates and leaving you behind, then get ready to remove the barriers to finding the marriage of your dreams and start believing it's possible for you. Hi, I'm Jackie Dorman. Join me in my Married in 12 Months Challenge, where I'll teach you why now is your time to find love, what are the lies that are holding you back, why God wants you to be married, the biblical law of attraction, and the tools you need to become a bride. 
Listen, if you deeply desire to be married, but you're still single, you should be doing something about it. Sign up for my free Married in 12 Months five-day challenge at lovestories.com. The only thing you have to lose is the pain of being alone on your journey. So join me at lovestories.com. That's lovestories.com. And now back to Lifeline. Whew. Married in 12 months. I guarantee you can be married in 12 months. That's incredible. We need love and no doubt about that. Married in 12 months. Boy, what kind of trouble we starting now. <laughs> All right. You guys better be careful about this kind of stuff. Um, let's just be careful about it. Let me see. Here. Let me go to line number four. Talk with James from the Bay right quick. James, you there. Yeah, brother, I'm here. Yeah, I had to laugh at that last one myself. Um, yeah, I ain't going to touch that. We'll talk about that on Wednesday night. But anyway. Uh, What's going on? Wow. Uh, I, 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 I was tracking with you, but that's not, that's not what I called to talk about. We're going to get into that Wednesday night, too. But uh, your, your last monologue at the, at the end, I think you mentioned you have to do a better job of interpreting the scriptures. Yes. And I, I, I need to uh, weigh that over again. I need you to help me out with that one, along with Second Peter 1 and 20, when he says that they're knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is with any private interpretation. Right. So I've always understood, and he helped me with my moral, it was always scripture to interpret the scripture. Right, but the way to, no, the way to under, the way to understand that text right there, um, that text is not really talking about interpretation. It's actually talking about inspiration. It's actually talking about how God, what Peter is defending is the fact that the prophets actually received revelation from God. And not really, and not actually receiving, if you will, sort of self-inspired auto-revelation, self-revelation. That's the point. No scripture is of any private unloosing. No idiosis is the Greek term, idiotes. No personal unloosening. That word interpretation is really uh, rooted in the Greek verb to loose. To loose is not loosed by men's labors, by men's reason, by men's intellect. So he's presupposing that we understand that the role of the prophets were to speak for God. So they were inspired. What Peter is saying is that their inspiration didn't come from themselves. Otherwise, we would have 66 books, James, that would be so irreconcilable, so incoherent, so uh, contradictory, so filled with the unique uh, handprint of uh, human reasoning that they wouldn't have this kind of divine continuity that we find from Genesis to Revelation because it would every man would be an interpreter of his own. He would actually be an expositor of self-generated revelation. That's what that text is talking about. So it's not talking about how to interpret the scriptures. It's really talking about how the scriptures came to us. It didn't come to us through mere human reasoning, but the Spirit of God moved men and caused them to receive from God, that is the unloosening, the luo, the revelation from heaven came to them. Inspiration allowed them to 
declare it first. That was called the um, vocalized or um, spoken word of God and then write it down later. Sometimes it was spoken Mm -hmm. and written and sometimes it was just written. So finally, we have what is called by Paul in 2 Timothy 3.16, the inspired revelation. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and therefore Mm -hmm. the prophet thereby. So what you have in uh, Peter is really how the word came down to us in terms of loosening, revelation and unloosening. They came down from God to men and they were moved by the spirit of God to say it and or write it. Then we move into what is called interpretation of the text. So when we talk about interpretation of the text now, we're talking about following the biblical rules as laid out by uh, Peter, laid out by Christ. When Peter said in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 10 and 11, that holy men of old, I mean, that the angels inquiring as to the coming of Christ, both in terms of his suffering and his glory, as the spirit of Christ was in the prophets, signifying, meaning that all the prophets, this is what Peter said in Acts chapter 10, all the prophets prophesied of the coming of Christ, of his person and of his work. Not some of the prophets, all of the prophets. So the through line of biblical interpretation, the meaning of scripture has to be the meaning that is centered in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So Jesus said in John 5, 39, you are searching the scriptures. That's the indicative form. It is not an imperative. It's not a command. He didn't say go search the scriptures. He said they were searching the scriptures In them, they thought they had eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. So what Jesus is saying, the substance of scripture from Genesis to Revelation is about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And finally, again, and you've heard me say this before, Revelation chapter 19, 10, John was told by the angel to worship God because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. How do we know that all of these men, these 45 plus authors over um, so many years, years, 1500 years to 1600, um, were actually inspired of God because their writings cohere. Historically, they cohere. Um, Theologically, they cohere. Redemptively, they cohere so that you have a continuity of revelation. This is called progressive revelation, as the theologians would put it, from Moses to Joshua to Samuel to the major prophets, minor prophets, all the way through to the Lord Jesus, who is the final prophet of the Old Testament. He is the end of the line. John the Baptist being his forerunner. Jesus is the end of the line of the Old Testament. He's the beginning of the New Testament, along with the apostles. So Christ and his apostles are the prophetic voices of the New Testament. And they close out the totality of the canon for us who are um, Protestants and evangelicals. And therefore, what we know from Genesis to Revelation, as this book is about the Lord Jesus, his person, his work, his coming, his atonement, his sending the Holy Ghost, his saving his people, sanctifying them and preparing them for glory. A failure to interpret scripture that way will send you down all kinds of heretical rabbit trails. See y'all on Wednesday. Until then, God bless. All right.
Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.